the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report, where we do our best every week to give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stallmaker, here with Chad Robichaux. And when we talk about an ever-changing culture, there are aspects of our culture that are changing yes. that we never hear about. Uh, one of those aspects really is the culture of foreign policy in the United States and how we're dealing with other countries. And you and I have uh, served in the military in, in places around the world uh, so this is something that's important to us, but oddly, it's something that most people are unaware of. And the president recently, and we'll talk more about this, yeah. in our interview was uh, nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, I think his third nomination or fourth nomination. Yeah, for the Middle East and the Balkans. For the Middle East and the Balkans. Um, negotiating peace, promising to bring troops home, which he has done. Um, and yet this is something that is just, it's, it's kind of left out in our current news cycle. Yeah, one of the things that the president promised in 2016 when he was campaigning was uh, to bring the troops home, yeah, and uh, and he's he's kept that promise after 20 years uh, in the war on terror. Right. We see troops coming home, and meanwhile we're seeing peace in the Middle East. He, he promised yeah. he promised to bring the to move the embassy to Jerusalem. To, yeah, and uh, every I think every every president I can remember has promised campaign, to do campaign that. promises right. to move the, the our embassy to Jerusalem, yeah. and, and they haven't. And President Trump has done that. And uh, now we're seeing people come to the table for peace deals in the Middle East, something we never thought possible, right. especially with troops being pulled out simultaneously. Yeah. He's been nominated for you know three Nobel Peace Prizes, yeah. and uh, you know in the Middle East and the Balkans, and we we're not hearing about it in the news. And uh, this is this is a uh, big news. It's not just a big win for the president; it's a big win for the American people. For America, it's yeah. what the, it's what the American people voted for when they voted for President Trump right. in 2016. And it's something that as Americans we should be proud of. Yes. And yet most of us don't even know what's happening. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, one of the, the challenges, I think, for normal people who don't think about this every day is how do I evaluate whether what's happening in the Middle East, what's happening around the world is good or bad? And that is a challenge for people that don't really have a metric to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to you know the upcoming election where you have, uh, you have people that need to understand that a lot of people don't like President Trump's personality, right? <laughs> and a lot of people don't like Joe Biden's personality. Sure. But we don't. We shouldn't be electing a president of the United States based on their personalities. We should be uh, electing them based on the policies they put forward sure. and the policies that they've demonstrated over their previous years of service that they could do. And uh, this, I think, this is a win for President Trump going into a re-election, uh, looking at what he's accomplished in the Middle East, sure. which seems like not only seems like, but had, was was told by previous administrations that was impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. Uh, Thankfully, we have a good guest on today to help us break down some of this. Corey Mills is with us, and Corey is a United States combat veteran, Fox News contributor, and the founder and CEO of Paysom International, and appreciate having him with us today. Corey, I uh, really appreciate you jumping on with us for a few minutes. Uh, this is a big topic and one that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, everyone's talking about and you hear the president, he utilizes this kind of catchphrase that says, I've done more in 47 months than Joe Biden has done in 47 years. And that's absolutely true. And I wanted to kind of talk on a couple of those key points. Yeah. 
So to start out, we have to look at every single major president has gone forward and said that I'm going to relocate the Israeli embassy into Jerusalem, but no one has done it except this president here. There was a only two diplomatic normalizations in all of the Middle East. That was once in uh, Egypt and then also in Jordan. Now, that was 27 years ago. So you look at the fact that in 27 years, you've only had two Arab nations actually make diplomatic normalization or even security trade cooperations throughout the entire Middle East. This president's now working on the third country, not to mention that it's both of the, of the recent countries who have signed are both Gulf Coast cooperation uh, countries. So the very first GCC uh, affiliated nations that are actually a part of this normalization. That's a very big step. And part of the reason for that, or part of what I look at as my analysis on this, is everyone is seeing the increasing growth of state and non-state threats within the region, especially and particularly with the proxy militias being utilized by the Iranian regime. And we all know that this president was the only one who took major actions and led counterterrorism operations against Qasem Soleimani and the Quds Force, yeah. as well as for even looking at the second and third effects of things. So when I always talk to people about what does it mean to do a CT operation, yes, you always have first effect, which is obviously to eliminate Qasem Soleimani and or Abu Mehdi al-Mahandis, who was the leader of PMF. But it was the second, third effects and how that fractured the PMF and how the Ayatollah had to immediately fill that vacuum with someone who was far less qualified with Ishmael Ghani. These are all very important things. Now let's look at the uh, bank and financial sanctions, diplomatic isolation, and that's now led a lot of, you know, kind of these malign activities to increase with Yemen, with uh, the UN Security Council's JCPOA Resolution 2231, uh, with the normalization of relationships because the rest of the Middle East is now also viewing the uh, Iranian regime's, I guess, um, desperation, and they see this as a big threat, and so they're all coming together to combat a very uh, unilateral and kind of, uh, in my opinion, they are kind of, I guess, multifaceted. So you have the kinetic, which we all know about, but they also have the cyber ability, which they did on Saudi Aramco. Um, they also have their proxy militia standards. They also had this kind of radicalization expansion plan but that's all come to light, really, under this president, under the irregular warfare annex. What? Uh, so we talk about all these things. Let's take one step back. Can you tell us about your experience? So I, I think this is this is a, an important point to make. Is so many people just don't have the right perspective on this stuff, and right. someone like you does. Talk about why you look at this a little bit different than everyone else does. Uh, maybe what your company does, but but certainly your own experience in the Middle East. Well. I always look at what is, you know, it's one thing to go in and lead military operations, which lead to the fall of a regime uh, or leads to trying to outcast some type of dictatorship, tyrannical rule. It's what is the U.S.'s follow on or the international community's follow on intent. And a lot of that looks at stabilization. And we also want to look at the fact, like Afghanistan, for example, where we want to stop from certain countries or certain regions from being safe havens of terrorism to allow it to continue to grow and then expand out and threaten our allies, our U.S. security cooperations, our interests, and then inevitably the United States themselves and our citizens. So when I look at what this president has, has been able to do, he's really been able to start looking at stabilization within the region, not just focusing on one individual country, which I think was kind of a flawed you know, aspect of the Bush administration. Sure. 
it's it's certainly better than what we saw under the Obama and Biden administration, which was an eight years of do nothing policies, which has actually led to the growth of ISIS and also led to the continuation of Qasem Soleimani being able to go forward. And, and again, Qasem Soleimani, as the president says, is a bad dude. We've got over 600 American soldiers who was killed by this individual. We've got thousands who were injured. I myself was the recipient of uh, Iranian EFP in 2006. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I don't think people realize that we were being very centric in our isolation of only looking at stabilization within independent countries and not looking at a regional wide strategy. And that's something that this president and this administration has done, which is really different than the previous administrations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the president's been nominated for Nobel Peace Prize for his, uh, you know, for bringing peace to the Middle East as well as uh, in, the, so. in the Balkans, and rightfully so. Uh, and uh, but I mean, in, in addition to pulling pulling us out of a lot of war zones as as far as the US, conventional U.S. military operations from war zones, and uh, it's relatively unknown. It's not hitting the mainstream media. Uh, any other president in history would would be nominated for for multiple Nobel Peace Prize. It'd be mainstream media. And so Obama got a Nobel Peace Prize for breathing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> for existing. <laughs> for but I mean, this is big stuff, and it's not in the media, and uh, and, and it's not. This is not, you know, the pre- President Trump's administration trying to politicize. These are very valid Nobel Peace Prize nominations. What I mean for the things that he's being nominated for, what would be different between you know this president and administration, and let's say the p- pending administration change with the upcoming election. Um. <laughs> the first thing is that we already know that there is no fair and balanced assessment of this president. We know that the Trump deranged syndrome or TDS is at its all time high. We know that we're seeing this even within the commissions of presidential debates where they're putting in biased moderators. Uh, the bottom line is, is that I think anyone who has been uh, looking at the Afghan peace plan strategies, has been looking at the conversations in Doha, have been looking at what's going on regionally. Uh, hands down, everyone knows that this president is is more than deserving. I mean, take it a step further. Let's just go ahead and look not just at this, but also what he's been able to do economically. You know, this president's done a lot to help with the uh, support and economic development within these regions as well. We saw the uh, trade agreements that had been going back and forth between KSA. We saw trade imbalances, obviously, with China that we tried to rectify. But we also saw where this president provided lethal aid to Ukraine, which other countries would not, in an effort for them to even try and stabilize their own region in Donetsk, uh, Lugansk, Mariupol, uh, as well as for the annexation of Crimea. Uh, Bottom line is that this president is never going to get a fair shake. He's not going to get a balanced assessment. But I always go back to what really matters to our community. So when I'm looking at the military community, I look at the 2016 elections. President President Trump actually won the 2016 elections with a two to one ratio of veteran voters. I think that number is going to go a ton higher. I think that if you look at what he's done and, and, and just to take it off of the Middle Eastern focus for just a moment, if I may, if you look just at even what he's done on a veterans based, okay, we know under the Obama administration, we had the 2014 waitlist scandal that happened in Arizona, which was John McCain's former state. We know that people were reporting that it was a zero to two day wait time on premier uh, premium care. And it was 152 days and over 40 people had died waiting on a primary you know, physician. We know that this president went forward with the U.S. Missions Act, which enabled people to say, OK, I can't drive 100, 100 miles to this VA facility. I can go to a hospital of my choice, but VA still maintains my records. We also know that he put together the VA Accountabilities Act. Now, remember, 
President Obama said that if this act came to his desk, that he would immediately veto that act. Yeah. This was what actually started the whole, you know, self-reporting and ensuring that the VA was being looked after in a much better light and that they were doing their jobs. What a novelty. People have to do their jobs <laughs> in VA. What a novelty. And since then, we fired, fired 10,000 VA workers. And rightfully so. Rightfully yeah. so, yeah, exactly. But this president <laughs> continues to rebalance things whether it's trade imbalances, whether it's holding our allies to their part of NATO, whether it's looking at us withdrawing from never-ending wars that we had already achieved our primary task of stopping it from being a safe haven, whether it was looking at unification within a region and not just country-centric focus. And again, going back to your point, there is no reason outside of just personal bias that this president has not received the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is MightyOaksPrograms.org. When we look at... uh you know, some of the promises the president has made, one of the big ones is to bring the American military home from places like Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan. He's done that, he continues to do that, um, you know, recently reinforced that he will continue to do that. Uh, Two things, is there a concern that as the military, the United States military comes home, that there will be a power vacuum that will end up back there in 10 years because we've left? That's one thing. And the second thing is, um, to what degree should we leave Advisors, should we leave you know military boots on the ground in some of these areas? What does that look like? Personal preference, and, and what I think, yes, I think that if we pull out in its entirety, I think it certainly leaves a vacuum. I think that we should definitely look at leave or utilizing or leaving uh, counterterrorism contingencies in place. I don't think this is any different. Again, let's go back through history. We still have bases in Germany. We still have sure. bases in Korea. We still have bases in Japan. You know, we understand that once you leave that in its entirety, getting back in is twice as expensive and twice as costly to American lives. So I think that maintaining, one, the utilization of the military industrial complex to support these countries in getting the necessary equipment to defend their borders. And secondly, making sure that we've got some type of a counterterrorism contingency in place that enables us to always have a, a small footprint. I think that's absolutely essential. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you look down the road and you see, uh, how do you see these these two things working together? The negotiating peace in the Middle East, bringing our troops home, and then re, the reshaping of the uh, of the Middle East. Well, a lot of that's going to be, you know, on the actual leaders of those countries. I think, yeah. like, if we were to take Iraq as an example, uh, I don't think anyone can argue that Paul Bremer 
uh, made terrible decisions, one with the debathification, two with the forced uh, 2005 constitution there in Iraq. I think that, you know, while we can help with the equipping, the training, and with the advocation uh, to help them in the stability from economics, I think they have to make vital changes within their own country. And those are changes that we cannot do yeah. if we're going to recognize sovereignty. You know, as an example, Article 76 of the 2005 Iraq Constitution essentially creates a sectarian democracy. And what it says is that the Iraqi people are allowed to vote for the parliament members, but then the, the parliament has 14 days to put in the president. The president has 14 days to put in the prime minister, but only from the members that were selected by the largest parliamentary bloc. So again, this creates that Shia-based you know, parliamentary pull that enables countries like Iran and certain political parties, better organization, Dawa, uh, to essentially be able to try and continue to let Iran's footprint grow stronger and stronger. So I think that it's gotta be give and take. The United States is continuing to stand by our allies. We're continuing to stand and hold our adversaries' state and non-state threats accountable. But we also need to look at our countries to build those countries to be able to do more. You know, we need the presidents and the leaders of Afghanistan and in Pakistan and also in Iraq to basically step up and actually do their part. Because the United States, while we've taken on the yeah. image or the persona of the world's police, we can't run their countries for them any longer. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Um, one of the reasons we have conversations like this with people like you is so that those who listen will be able to get you know the information to kind of parse out all the noise that's happening in our world. Um, it, it's it's incredible. It's incredible the amount of information we have, right? And so I think what a lot of people do, particularly related to foreign policy, is they just shut it out. They say this does not impact me. Um, but when we go back 20 years, we understand 9/11 happened. Uh, the military plussed up. 20 years of war, 20 years of loss, 20 years of broken homes, 20 years of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, 20 years of communities that are struggling to figure out what to do next, 20 years of billions of dollars spent. What happens in a foreign policy sense impacts every single person in America, whether they realize it or not. How should a normal person, someone who doesn't live their life thinking about this, how should a normal person evaluate what's happening you know, in the rest of the world, evaluate whether or not the president's doing a good job. What are some resources they can go to? Maybe someone they can follow, something they can read. How does a normal person living a normal life who is concerned but doesn't know where to go, how do they figure some of this stuff out? I realize that's a real big question, by the way. But Well, um, but I think I can oversimplify it just a little bit. Why don't, you know, the ones who are not actually out there making the sacrifice day in, day out, you know, and again, we always want to remember all those who are deployed. You know, let's go ahead and look at our own paychecks. Let's look at the actual tax reform that this president put in place and the fact that you have more money in your paychecks today than you did four years ago. Let's go ahead and look at the fact that this president has not invested into new wars and has not invested into overpaying into NATO, but invested in our own Department of Defense. Yeah. Let's look at what this president has done to shape and even look at the Industrial Base Act, where he was willing to mobilize all of our, our, our industrial complex to be able to treat pandemics. This president has continued time and time again to be able to utilize things that are Go America, First America, Make America Great Act. That is something that everyone has to recognize. The current civil unrest, the current economical deficiency as a result of the pandemic, not the pandemic, in my opinion, should not be the evaluating factor. We know what the actual economy looked like, and a lot of people, and here's why I think people get frustrated, in my opinion. The president, as well as for others, sometimes have what I would say is an incorrect narrative oh, the stock market is doing well. The stock market is indicative of how the actual economy is doing, 
but not all of us have the money to dump into the stock market right. itself to be able to see that. But we do have 401ks and we know how that actually gets played out. So again, the average American should be able to know that one, more money is being utilized back in America, yep. not overseas and not abroad. The drawdown on our troops ensures that we're enabling, sorry, there's someone's trying to call. Um, <laughs> it enables us to basically say, all right, I see more money in my paycheck as a result of the tax reform. Bear in mind, that same tax reform that this upcoming administration is threatening to repeal as soon as they come in. We also have to look at the fact that if you're in the agricultural sector, you have now trillions of dollars that's come back in because this president has held China accountable for the trade yeah. imbalance and has forced them into the China phase one deal. Yeah. We also, at the same time, instead of investing money into other nations, we're building a wall, we're securing our own country, yeah. we're investing in our own people, we're investing in our own you know, uh, 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 nation as, as, as a whole. We're holding you know, the incorrect balances of the, of the uh, NAFTA deal and making it the USMCA, which brought back Carrier, who was a huge manufacturer that was in Mexico back to the United States. So again, I think the average American, the average blue collared American who's out there who wants to work and is not looking for free handouts certainly sees what it's about. But, you know, let's look at Secretary Pompeo and his Unalienable Rights Act. You know, we believe in an unalienable right for freedom of choice, freedom of rights, freedom from fear, freedom from want. But unfortunately, a lot of the society thinks that unalienable rights is free university, free Wi Fi, sure. and free <laughs> right. handouts. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I think the average American does see that. And I think that the other thing that people need to see is that all of the things, and again, I look at psychological projection. I can remember in, in college, one of my first classes was a psychology course, and I thought, oh God, it's gonna be useless. I now find it to be more useful than ever. Hmm. Because what I'm seeing right now is the basis for psychological projection. Everything that the Democratic Party is accusing this president of, whether it was the Ukrainian impeachment, whether <laughs> right, it was Russian right. collusion, yeah. <laughs> is actually them themselves. Yeah. yeah. So let's look at the stimulus packages. Who's holding that up? Nancy Pelosi. Who's looking to hold up Amy Coney Barrett, one of the most qualified justices, Chuck Schumer? He's trying to actually get the Senate to close down until after the election. He doesn't even want them to go forward and look at any other bills or any other confirmations. Meanwhile, all of us as taxpayers are continuing to pay our salaries every day. We consider ourselves to be, you know, what is it, the mission critical right. you know, workers right. who have to go out. But yet they're saying that the mask is good if you want to protest. The mask is not good if you can vote in person. Why? because they don't want to try and challenge this president because they know they'll lose at the ballot box, so they're gonna steal it at the mailbox. That is yeah. their new motto. That is yeah. the modus operandi of the democratic socialist movement. So what I'm getting from all of this is that you are a strong Biden supporter. This is kind of the, the tone I'm getting from you on all of it. <laughs> oh, man. You know what I am? I'm a supporter of America. Yeah, that's yeah. good. It's not about political bias. It's about what is best for our nation, yeah. what is best for our military community. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, Corey, where can, uh, where can people learn more about you and, and follow you? You do a lot of writing, a lot of speaking. Where can people follow you? So uh, you can follow me on my Twitter, which is uh, Corey, C-O-R-Y-M-I-L-L-S underscore Paysum, P-A-C-E-M. You can also find me on Newsmax. I have my own banner called Middle East Downrange, where I write a lot of different articles on what's taking place within the awesome. region. And uh, also just check us on our company website. Beautiful. Awesome, man. Thanks, Corey. Really appreciate yeah. it, man. Uh, we'll uh, definitely right, have a conversation right. again. So thanks for doing it. Love your, love your continued heart for America, man. Thank you. God bless. <laughs> See you, brother. <laughs> See you. So as always, another great guest. Yeah, absolutely brilliant guy. And yeah. uh, 
thankful thankful guys like that to be uh, on our team. There's always uh, so much we could talk about, but uh, we'll break this down with our final situation report for today. Number one, there are so many good things going on in the world, and in spite of what we're told in the media through our current administration. Uh, our president, although you may love him or not love him, uh, you may not like everything that he does or everything that he stands for, or whatever it is you feel about the president, there are some good things that have happened. And we look at what's happening domestically, but specific to today's conversation around the world, there are some incredible things happening. We've had decades of presidential administrations talking about how it is impossible to bring any kind of peace to the Middle East. And yet through this administration, we've seen relative peace, and there will be more. And this is one point that Corey made. Continuing from this, going beyond this, there will be more of these discussions, and it's happening uh, really every week. Uh, respect for the United States around the world. This is something that we've talked about for years, is garnering the respect of other nations for the foreign policy decisions and ability of the United States. This is happening. Bringing troops home. This is also something the president said he would do and is doing. There are some incredible things happening around the world, and uh, things that we should not only be interested in, but as Americans, we can be proud of, and that's Amazing. Uh, the second thing is this. Corey made this point, and I believe this is a valid point. When we are trying to evaluate the foreign policy decisions of a presidential administration, as difficult as that can be, there is evidence. And we can look at the evidence uh, from the foreign policy aspect. We may not understand that, but we can look at the impact it has on us even domestically. Uh, jobs coming back to the United States. Again, the opportunities growing for those who live in the United States. And on and on we could go. The evidence is present if we'll just take the time to get, as we say often, beneath the headlines and figure out what that is. Uh, the third point is this, and this is one that I think is great. When we consider all that's happened through this administration in the Middle East and elsewhere, we know that the impact of the decisions today will have uh, untold impact in generations going forward. We look forward to seeing what those things will be. And that is your situation report for today. Another great conversation. Great show. Okay, great show. Yeah. Yep. And uh, look forward to doing it again next week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.